Welcome to It's a Nice Place to Brew with Jason and George, a show about all things beer and beer making. Gentlemen, please broadcast responsibly. Just diving right in. Just diving right in. Just forget the formalities, the preliminaries, the hey, how you doing? We're just, we're in. We're in unnecessary (laughs) welcome to a nice place to brew i'm jason i'm george it is a monday night in november and yes we're skipping the formalities and diving right in (laughs) um i will say on the onset this is uh this is quite the evening to uh record uh (laughs) well um i pretty much haven't eaten in the last 12 hours and this show really just came uh came to the surface within the last, within the last 24 hours or so just from George and I talking so I'm I'm really hoping I've got I've got enough juice in me to to carry this on so we'll we'll <laughs> we'll see I apologize ahead of time for what's coming out tonight Do we need do we need to uh, take a 30 minute break so you can go get a sandwich or something You, you know what I just had a sandwich and okay. uh I, I did uh I finished it up within the last half hour, and I can feel my nerves starting to calm down. My blood sugar coming out to a more healthy level. So well, I think I think I'm on the upswing. Okay, good. So the mitochondria, which are the powerhouse of the cell, are you know working their way through and providing some energy. Is that where you're going? I don't know what the hell that means, but okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. The mitochondria. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i mean it's it sounds real scientific and i and i'm, I'm sure like, it is and i'm sure th- it's all sciencey yeah don't worry about it anyway <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> so anyways uh before we get into the meat of today's episode uh our social media links we are on facebook and instagram and twitter at a nice place to brew and nice place to brew and we have a website at www.aniceplacetobrew.com Dot com. Our podcast is on all the major platforms, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. I really want to get us on Spotify. And uh, as of last week, I saw that we were not there, and I'm wow. still holding out hope. Well, we'll get there. So can we talk about, and this is, this is a horrible, horrible moment for the show that we're going to talk on the show about the show. Oh, my. But uh, Very meta. <laughs> Yeah. So anyways, <clears throat> Spotify is making a noticeable pitch to be the preferred podcast platform out there. And one of my go-to podcasts, and I'll, I'll give a plug for an unrelated show, but I follow a podcast called Last Podcast on the Left, um, which is a true crime podcast, and they have a huge, huge following. It's a great podcast for anyone who's into dark humor and into true crime. But anyways, they announced within the last week that starting in 2020, they will be exclusively available on Spotify, which oh, means wow. Google, Stitcher, iTunes, all those platforms go away. That's, which, they must have gotten some sweetheart deal then. because I'm sure they did. I'm sure Ooh, they did. And by the way, I'll, I'll take a few shekels of that here at A Nice Place to <laughs> Brew. We'll, we'll, I'll, we'll gladly make that make that jump too for the well, right price. I don't, I mean, I, I get what you're saying and I, and I see the push that they're making, but I'm not sure that that's a good idea. <clears throat> I mean, when you think about... From whose perspective? From a listener's. If you, if you think about, okay. I'm going to go listen to a podcast... Like the average listener, is Spotify even on their radar? It's not, and I think that's the reason for pushes like this. Yeah, I, you gotta, you gotta it, hope it, it's it launches your them. name yeah. into, into the front of the uh, into the front of the conversation. Yeah, that's interesting. It's yeah, be interesting to see how that's going. I mean, it is like the next media platform that is really, I think. You know, I mean, podcast has been around for a long time, but they are really growing in popularity in the last couple of years. And um, I mean, to the point when a lot of people don't even realize the pod in that is, you know, based around iPod and Apple and things and and the genesis (laughs) there, you know. That's a great point. Yeah. So it'd be interesting because I think 
we're going to start seeing them compete, you know, the different services competing more and more and like with exclusives and things like that. So that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So that's that. All right. So let's get into the uh, meat of today's episode. Um, we've got a couple things to talk about. First, George, once again, is the traveler amongst the two of us. <laughs> he has come back from North Carolina and he has some North Carolina beers to talk to us about. <laughs> but ah, uh, see. But anyway, so <clears throat> once again, yes, I am the traveler in this group. And uh, well, it's just, which is not normal because you are usually the traveler in this group heading on down to like Houston and Louisiana and things like that with work and stuff, right? It, it's become less frequent. Yeah. It does happen here and there, but not like it used to. Okay. All right. So, but regardless, well, before we get into that, what are you drinking tonight? So, what I'm drinking tonight <clears throat> is actually somewhat related to that. I uh, did go down to North Carolina, as I think you said, and I picked up a few beers. I went to like a local bottle shop. Actually, it was mostly cans, and uh, and picked up a, a few while I was there, and brought them back with me. And so, one of them that I'm drinking tonight, which is. Uh, a it's 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 an interesting thing it's called triple vixen ale with peach and <laughs> hibiscus it's uh brewed and packaged by the bombshell brewing company and it's north carolina's first 100 percent women-owned brewery so nice kind of goes into some of our topics that we've been uh talking about lately with yes, uh, greater representation and whatnot. So this is a 10% alcohol by volume and it appears to be an a American triple, if you will, which is really what kind of uh, drew me to it a little bit. Uh, it, it Specifically, its tagline is an American take on a Belgian classic. So uh, I'm interested to see how this kind of uh, comes out, and 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 frankly, I'm a, a big fan of uh, hibiscus flavor in beer for one reason or another. Okay. So um, yeah, that's I'm gonna give it a shot. All right. Yeah. I saw the picture you sent me last night, and that was one of the cans that stood out to me. Oh yeah. So like, oh wow. All right. Well. The ladies over at Bombshell oh, know how to carbonate a beer, apparently. Did it foamed over? <laughs> no, it just like splurted <laughs> at me. Okay, so <laughs> pouring it out. All right, in my nice Pollyanna tulip glass. All right. All right. Oh, wow. That's really clear. Which already is a little different from your traditional triple style. So, if I heard all this correctly, it's a Belgian triple, peach and hibiscus mm-hmm. are the added flavors? Yes. Got it. Well, but no, see... 10%. That's the thing. Is it a Belgian triple, though? Because, and that's why I'm looking it up on Untapped right now. Uh, it, it says it's a Belgian triple, but it, they say it's an American take on a Belgian classic. So, I'm wondering if they used a more American uh, yeast and not a Belgian yeast and kind of did like an American version of a Belgian triple. Does that make sense? It's a, it's a fair question, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, give it a taste. I'm sure uh, I'm sure it'll be very apparent. Oh, that's good. All right. Yeah, no, I approve of that. Yeah. And, and it, it's very light and refreshing. It does have a ten percent light and refreshing. I'm telling you, man, it's dangerous. Whoa. This is this wow. is gonna be this is gonna be dangerous. Yeah. Um, on the nose, you get some of that, you know, uh, effervescent character that you sometimes get with a with a Belgian, and okay. you do you do get a little bit of heat from the alcohol, and yeah. Uh, and definitely smelling the kind of the fruit, that kind of fruit flavor that you uh, that you'll get on the nose. Nice. Yeah, I see. Uh, you know, I'm not getting Is like a... the banana characters and the trip, 
the traditional kind of more Belgian-y character. So I think okay. that um, that's probably uh, what they mean by, you know, an American take on it. I think they have made some alterations, but I'd be curious to find out what that is. I might reach out to Bombshell and see if they can't uh, fill me in on what's going on there. I think you're on to something when you're talking about the yeast. I'm wondering if they use a more traditionally American yeast. Like US 05. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that would be a very American yeast, but it's possible. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Let's see. I'm looking on their website right now, looking at Triple Vixen. So they do use Seven Seas and Cascade Hops. They use pale malt, oats, and caramel malt. And. So this usually it looks like Triple Vixen is made with strawberries, but it's a six point one percent. So this is a slightly different <laughs> variant. It would Never. appear. Um, sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think I'm going to reach out to them because I'm kind of curious what yeast they use and why they're why they're referring to it as an American take on a Belgian classic. So you know, I'm I'm glad we came across this. I think it's really cool when other breweries put the uh, put their beers on their website and put all the ingredients out there. I am too. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they don't put the proportions. They just and they just say pale oats sure. caramel. So you know, you got to play with it. But at least you got a starting point if you want to try to, you know, see what you can do with it. Agreed. Yeah, I like Agreed. that as well. It, yeah. So call out to other breweries. Take a look at it. And George was right when he talked about the proportions. If you don't have your proportions there, then you're not putting out your own trade secrets. Right. And nobody out there is, is just kind of guesstimating all the ratios and magically coming up with it. You know, well, even if they do, there's happen. something to be said for the magic of how you brew it and your equipment and things like that. It's it's in your water and, you know, it's going to taste different, you know, so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's that. So what about you? Now that our... The, the dreaded sober October is done. And, yeah. you know, we did one recording <laughs> since then, but, you know, I, I, I'm still getting over it, really, honestly. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So what are you drinking Rightfully this time so. around? I have, I, have no, I have no excuse for that one, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, I don't have one that's all that exciting. I, I'm drinking a beer that I've had before. Okay. It's the uh, Oktoberfest beer from Revolution Brewing. Okay. And... It's, I mean, it's very much a Marzen. Uh, it's it's a, everything that you would expect from a Marzen. And honestly, it's coming down very nicely. Nice. And considering how long I went without food, if I had a stronger beer right now, I think I'd be hanging out of my chair right now. <laughs> I will say that I did make a trip to a local craft beer store over the weekend. And I came back with a pretty good take. Um, I got four different cans of New England IPAs and I have a four pack of a beer that I just couldn't turn away from. Get ready for this. It is an Imperial peanut butter stout. Imperial. Ring some bells? Yeah, you, yeah well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not that though. It's not that it's, though? It's totally different brewery. So those are in 16 ounce cans in my refrigerator. Okay. And uh, it's a finishes in at nine point two percent ABV. So I'm going to be in for a long night. No kidding. Cans start getting broken open. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. (laughs) So, but I've got high hopes for it. Okay. So. Other than that, um, what else? Oh, I'm just going to put this out here. Okay. If you saw the beer contents of my fridge right now you would think i'm something between a a man with schizophrenia and a man (laughs) who just doesn't who just plain doesn't have his crap together 
<laughs> well, I have so many. I have so many different beers, and it's all one-offs. I got like one bottle of this. I got you know one one can of Imperial Stout, and then I've got bottles of you know a Belgian quad recipe that I made a year ago. It is just there's no logic or rhyme or reason to any of it. <laughs> Honestly, you can feel a little bit better because mine isn't much better at the moment. Like I went down there, <laughs> okay. I got five different ones from uh north carolina and i think i've got one or two from four or five other different breweries in there so i am right there schizophrenic with you as well so no worries there okay all right i don't, I don't feel as bad thank you <laughs> yeah Josh. yeah i appreciate yeah. it <laughs> so on that note let's talk more about north carolina sure absolutely so so what was your Take on the overall findings. So I was actually kind of impressed with the breweries that I had down there, as well as what I was able to find from different um, uh, um, different breweries around as well. And um, you know, I, none of it was. I mean, we're heading towards winter, so a lot of the styles that were. Uh, you know, popular out there are some of Jason's favorites. You had your your porters and your stouts and your um you know your darker beers and things. But uh I did run into one beer uh at the hotel I was staying at that is called Red Oak Brewery. And they had a Hellas and a Amber Lager on on tap there from them. And both of those were quite good i was very impressed with that um they they were just very clean um i you know in looking up the um the um the website for these guys they actually say that they brew according to the right ryan um using only you know barley noble hops and lager yeast unfiltered unpasteurized and naturally carbonated with no additives wow. and no preservatives yeah and it is extremely clean and very flavorful um you know sometimes when you you get that strict on the um uh the um reinheitsgebot uh big ass german word i can never remember um sometimes they can be a little one note you know because you know, you're you're you only have a small variation of malts you can use and hops you can use and yeast you can use and things like that. Um, but I was pretty impressed with the variation that they had in there. Even if the ingredients are all common, like you were saying, mm-hmm. you still have a lot of room for technique, and I guarantee that that's how they're differentiating each beer that they make. I would say that's probably. Uh, pretty accurate, yeah. I mean, um, the two that I had again were the uh, Red Oak Bavarian Amber Lager, um, which is a it's primarily Munich malt um, with noble splat hops. Or, I'm sorry, spalt hops, um, it, it, which is naturally lagered uh, and five percent alcohol, and. The other one was the Munich Golden Lager, which is four different Bavarian malts. They use Tetanang. Again, they lager it for a nice long time. It's 4.5%, and it's, uh, it's like I said, that Hellas style. So you get a little bit more of the hops in there than uh, for some of the other ones. But that is... Do you, yeah, go ahead. Do you think they do a decoction mashing? I wouldn't put it past them. But I doubt. I wouldn't either. I mean, th- I mean, these guys are sticking very, very true to the old German tradition. Yes, they are. Yeah, and the decoction fits right in with that. It does uh, at the scale that because they're using modern equipment, and so at the scale that they're doing it, I think it could be a bit daunting to try to do a full decoction. Um, well, there are there are industrial variations of decoction mashing. Well, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it's possible. I like I said, I wouldn't put it past them, just you know, based on what I've throw been able that in an email to to them. You, you were going to reach out. To them. Yeah, yeah. So. Throw throw that on there too. I would love to know that, and and honestly, that would be a great case study. I think on industrial 
or slash modern takes on decoction mashing. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Let's see if they. Is how how big was this brewery? How well I didn't actually go. Oh, go oh did to you just it. you just bought it at a retail? Yeah, oh, I found oh, it okay, at it okay. and in in the bar of our hotel of all places, and oh um, okay, and but. You know, I mean, it seems pretty sizable. They have a number of beers that are, uh, they've got about eight in their rotation. Um, and that in, and just looking at the pictures of their brewery, they seem to have a number of different fermenters. So they're pretty, uh, sizable in that. Um, but like, listen to these different styles that they have. They have, you know, the, the Amber and the Hellas that I told you about. They also have a Pills. A Marzen, um, a, a Vienna Bach, a uh, Bavarian Bach, a Doppelbach, and a Hellas, uh, Hel- what they're calling a Heller Bach, a Bavarian Heller Bach. So the last four that I told you were seasonal. Um, I'm sorry, last five that I told you were seasonal, and they have three that are all the time. They're Pills, they're Hellas, and they're in their uh, Amber Lager. Okay. So it'd be interesting to see what they do. But again, I mean, they say that they, like the Doppelbach, they have aging, they put aging on here for all of them. And for their Doppelbach, they have 10 weeks plus for their aging. That is a commitment in modern industrial uh kind of um equipment and 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 setups and stuff that's a commitment to to say we're gonna let this beer age for 10 weeks inside of this bright tank before we serve well no let me rephrase that that's a commitment to say all of our beers are gonna do that you know, to, for are going are gonna to take ten weeks in our industrial fermenters at lagering temperatures. Yeah, like the the shortest one you have on here is seven weeks, and that's I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's, it's it's long. I don't think it's I don't think it's a giant leap from the norm. Well, okay, so fair enough. But when you but the and why I'm saying it's a commitment, you know, like put it in perspective. Most breweries that have lagers, they have you know one or two lagers that you know they're they're tying up those fermenters for that long. But the ales, they're in there sure. for thirty days. You know, they're doing their thing for thirty days. They're out. They're moving on to the next. They can do two or three in the time they do one lager. These guys, all they do oh, is yeah. lagers. Right. Yeah. You know, right. That's a, that's so you a, just need a lot need a lot more fermentation tanks. Yeah. I see what you're that's saying. It's a different so, animal. So you so that's a it is a different animal and you're gonna have a lot more expense just as a result. Yeah. Because you don't have the quicker turnaround from your from your fermenters. Yeah, that that is a good point. I didn't take that into consideration right away. Yeah. So uh I think I'm gonna try to put them on I my don't. list next time we go down to uh yeah because they're not i figured out that we figured out that uh raleigh is only about four hours from us so it's a pretty easy drive to get down there for a weekend that's all it is yeah four hours yeah thereabouts you just yeah man gosh that seems like it would be so much longer wow okay that's pretty easy so nice all right so that's one that i had there um and uh, and so, g- going into some of the other ones that I was able to find, though, I was able to find the Triple Vixen that I already told you about. Another one called Java Nog Cream Stout. I'm kind of excited about this one. This is uh, aged. This is a coffee cream stout aged nine months in Spanish rum barrels, then finished with Mexican vanilla and fre- uh, I'm sorry. Mexican vanilla and fresh grated nutmeg. Wow. Yeah. You know what the one part about that that's distracting me is of all things a rum barrel. I know. I think it could I, you know I I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of excited about it. I like Mexican vanilla, it has a little bit more spice to it. And so I and and with the, the nutmeg and things, I'm wondering if I'm gonna get kind of a uh What's the word I'm looking for? Like a celebration stout kind of flavor from it, like a Christmas stout kind of thing. What's the? Uh, I, I see it in the picture that you sent to me. Is there a? What's the ABV on that? I'm trying to uh, see seven if I can see it. seven percent seven point two percent. Oh, okay. Yeah. So 
That'll be interesting. Are you going to have a chance to break this open tonight? I don't think tonight. Uh, the triple Vixen no? by itself okay. is 16 ounces of 10%, and I don't feel like having okay. a hangover in the morning. So No, I, I, <laughs> I understand that. It, it is a work night. I have a, th- I have a theory on this. Okay. And you'll, ob- you'll obviously have to, have to taste it to confirm or deny whether or not this comes out to be. So this is a beer that came out of a barrel for however long it sat right. in there. But remembering from our recent episode where we talked about barrel aging, what are the beers that are conducive to barrel aging? Higher ABV beers. True. This one came out of the barrel of, of a rum barrel at 7%. That's really low by barrel aging standards. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it'd be interesting. And, and, and also coffee was put on top of that. So there's just a ton of flavors going on there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, not wow. to mention the fact that it's a lactose beer, so it's a it's a milk stout. So Man. I mean, there's a, there's a lot I like about this description: lactose, nutmeg, uh-huh. stout. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're those are three big check marks in I my agree. book. I then throw the rum barrel in it in the coffee. Oof. Yeah. So I d- <laughs> table the coffee thing because I want to I want to get to these other beers, but I, there's something I need to tell you about that. I I. I I was talking with a, a buddy in my brew club, and I have a new take on how to do a coffee stout that I want to run by you. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Great. So the next one, though, is called Holy Spokes. Uh, I'm skipping over one of them in the picture if you're following along. There is um, this one. I am concerned. And... I'm going to try it, but I am concerned. Um, (laughs) This is a porter inspired by traditional Mexican mole sauce. Mole sauce. Yes. So it says they start with a medium-bodied smoked porter, but crank it up a notch post-fermentation. At this point, they add cinnamon, habanero peppers, vanilla bean and cocoa nibs as a secondary addition yes okay all right so let me run that again cinnamon habanero peppers vanilla bean and cocoa nibs so that's how they're kind of trying to if approximate a mole flavor in there and i hesitated at picking this up but um, my lovely wife Hannah was like, "No, no, no, no! You gotta try it." So I was like, oh, "Okay," and I picked it up. And, and so I'm gonna, my gut tells me you're gonna be glad. I you did. have a feeling too. Usually, when she says you should try that, she's right. So um, yeah, <laughs> it's all gonna come down to how balanced those flavors are. I know, are. I know, it really is. And I have a, my gut tells me I think they're gonna hit. Okay. It. All right. Well, so if the guy at the store is right about this one, this one they did hit. It's the next one on the list, and it's called Yeah Toast. Okay. All right. This is the one. Uh, this is the one beer from the picture that I looked up on on tap. So I, I have some feedback. Okay. On this. So five point eight percent ABV. This is a brown ale, and it's a brown ale um, that is meant to be. Light but bready with notes of maple syrup, sweet sugar, meld with cinnamon and vanilla. And he basically said, it's like drinking French toast and it's wonderful. (laughs) So that is an interesting concept for me that I am in. Because we like the Southern Tier breweries with, uh, um, uh, you know, with their you know variations that they do and and yeah and and i'm wondering absolutely yeah yeah. and i'm wondering if this is going to be along those same lines so do you think the guy who uh sold this to you has had it oh no he definitely has he definitely had it okay uh, Okay. he has no reason to hype up something that he has you know doesn't you know uh, have a uh a stake in so no no and, and we we had a uh pretty good conversation about some different things going on so i i I think that he's not pulling my leg okay yeah the abv was not real high on this if i remember correctly it wasn't like six to seven no it's uh five eight so it's it's 
five just this okay, side of sessionable. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got excited when I heard about all that. Yeah, I am uh, intrigued. I'm a little puzzled by the untapped reviews on this. This wasn't overwhelmingly positive on untapped. Take that for whatever it's yeah. worth. Cause that just based on the description, it seems like it hits on every note. So there was a, so I, I wish, I wish I was there side by side with you and we could try that because we all remember my famous French toast beer rant, which was a few episodes back and, that's come up in conversation a lot of times. So, this this beer has hope to far surpass that on the French toast. Level. Oh man, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. Um, yeah, well, I'll have to let you know how it turns out, and if I if it turns out well, I'll find it and send it to you. So, uh, I mean, I'll I'll Thank send you, you a snow globe that it ha- that. Oh yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes, of course. Speaking of Untapped, there was a brewery. There was a beer down there that its can was hilarious. I did not end up picking it up because uh, I didn't feel like drinking a pilsner, but it was lampooning those entitled um, uh, Untapped reviews. I think it said something to the effect <laughs> of my brothers got into a car accident when I was drinking this beer, zero stars or something like that. It was completely unrelated to the beer and it was a perfect, I, I laughed. For, you know, my wife was just looking at me. She poor, she was like, what is so funny? I'm like, the can is hilarious. She's like, no, it's really not. So, <laughs> uh, I need to yeah. see this. <laughs> Um, oh, man. Yeah, but anyway, um, the last one I so good trip. So, oh, oh, there yeah. Is the last one, one I picked up actually was not. I realized afterwards was not a local one. It's from the Seattle Cider Company, and it is their uh, basil mint cider. Uh, this is one that she wanted to try as well. Uh, but I, I have to admit, basil mint cider sounds quite good, uh, and I'm uh, I'm intrigued to try that. I can't even gauge that. For some reason, that just not is is not computing. Um. Well, no. I mean, it's like a regular apple cider with basil. No, no. I I, Yo, I, I get, get it. Okay. I get it. I just. I mean, just adding. I, I get what it is. I just. I can't piece together what basil and mint is going to bring to a cider. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, but good trip overall. Good trip, good trip. Now, there was one thing that kind of threw me though. Yeah. yeah, I was looking at the uh, the the breweries, and in their local section, there was a bunch of stuff from Sierra Nevada. And so I went to the dude. I was like, "What is why? Why is there Sierra Nevada stuff in your in your local um, beer section?" And he said that they opened up a brewery in the next town over. So now Sierra Nevada is a local beer to Raleigh. And that kind of broke my brain for a second. Because is that all it takes? Just a set up shop. shop And all of a sudden you're a local beer. (laughs) When you're a national, <laughs> when you're a national beer like that, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, this is an interesting debate, and there's arguments from both sides, and I've and I've had 24 hours to kind of digest this. So, I guess putting the the two things side by side, the argument for any beer being classified as local if they set up shop. You can back that argument up by citing a couple of things. Number one, you're using local ingredients. Number two, you're hiring a local staff to you know to make the product and distribute the product and do things like that. Um, and I guess number three, just on a purely business slash political level, you're paying taxes to the local economy. So... And the more I think about that, okay. 
I think the more the more weight I can shift into that direction. Okay, I, I see where your logic is. Now, I think, given the availability of refrigeration and distribution and things, I think number one on your list that you're using ingredients sourced from a, a local source or local ingredients may be misguided. Because it's, it's not okay. necessary. Because, I on. mean, they're going to be sending them in such bulk that they could be shipping them in from, you know, their main location or from wherever their main location gets them from. And they're just splitting shipments and things like that. So to say that the local growers or anything are benefiting from that, I don't know that that's necessarily true. That's a fair point in regards to, at the very least, grains and hops. I don't think that argument holds up for water, though. That's probably... I mean, I don't see them trucking in water. Yeah, no. So, I mean... Exactly, exactly. And if you think about, you know, what is 90-plus percent of beer is water. True. But if they are doing an RO on that water, does that make... Does that mean that it's still got that local flair? Oh, that's that's interesting. So basically, the location of water doesn't matter if you're bringing the water down to zero and then mineraling uh, it mineral up. Content. Yeah, exactly. This is a completely newbie question. I completely admit that, but is putting water through an RO system completely the norm? As in, is every brewery in America is every brewery in America that's you know making more than one barrel of, of beer a day doing this? Um, I'm going to say probably not. Uh, um, okay. But I would think at the level that they're doing it, it would make the most sense from quality control, don't you think? Kind of yes, kind of no. Okay. I mean, we pull it out of the tap. That 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 one I that one I'd have to piece together. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I understand completely the reason for doing right. it, but I also know on one side this is I don't know how many how much people talk about this. There's a lot of water wasted by putting water through an RO. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So, does that completely eliminate the quote unquote local character of water? Yeah, I I definitely see the argument in that direction. Okay, so let's set that aside for a second. Let's forget the technical. Let's forget the political. Let's forget the economical. Let's let's focus on what beer is all about. Let's focus on the emotional. Is that, you know, I mean, just because Sierra Nevada set up shop across the street or Lagunitas has a has a warehouse in Chicago, does that make them? part of the fabric of the local beer scene does that make them a local beer along the likes of you know your your metal monkeys and your uh you know miskatonics and and other chicago breweries i can't remember right now (laughs) that are (laughs) that are out there that are out there i mean like goose island's now national but i know there's still a number of uh Chicago beer drinkers that would say that's a local beer. Oh, absolutely. There's there's a Chicago pride factor with Goose Island and in all the other major uh Chicago Chicago land yeah. breweries. So um I- you, you do bring up a good point. Does Lagunitas get get that same boost from the local Chicago consumer that those other Chicago breweries right. get? The answer is no. Should they? That's a better question, and I think that's the heart of what we're talking about. Right. Should they? and that's yeah, exactly. I mean, because I mean, I mean, you go into a, a Chicago bottle shop, you don't find Lagunitas in the local section, and there's something to be said for the local section. I mean, that draws eyes. Oh, absolutely, yeah, there is. So. Absolutely, there's something to be said about the local section. Especially, I mean, if you're in a beer-rich city like Chicago, where the local section has become very, very. Uh, is become a heavy mm-hmm. variety. I, I I don't know. I, I'm interested in what the listeners. I think. am too. Yeah. 
Come over to our social media pages. You know, t- tell me, I mean, let's just use Lagunitas for an example. I mean, because it's a good one. Uh, Lagunitas is a nationally recognized beer brand. Um, they're not headquartered in Chicago. They're not founded in Chicago. However, they have a giant warehouse that they brew beer out of here in Chicago. And that brewery supports their entire operation from the Rocky Mountains to the East Coast. You know, that's not a small operation. Sure. And... You know, they've, you know, they've carved a footprint in the Midwest as a result of just having that operation there. So is that enough? Yeah. And, and for our friends down in uh, North Carolina, the same exact you know, copy and paste basically can be said about uh, Sierra Nevada. Um, they set up shop in, I believe it was Asheville. And at this point, you know, they are, you know, in some people's eyes, they're considered a local beer to at least the Raleigh-Durham area. Uh, what do you think? Do you agree? Uh, does, you know, have they done things in the community that maybe have has endeared themselves to the community that me being an outsider to the area, I didn't see? Um, you know, it's a it's a decent question and, and one we'd like to hear what you guys think. Absolutely. So our website, www.aniceplacetobrew.com. And our social media pages at a nice place to brew or a nice place to brew. Mm-hmm. Did I just did. say the same? Is it a nice place to brew or nice place to brew? Yeah. Or or nice place to <laughs> brew. Thank you. That's all right. <laughs> so uh, yeah. it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. All right. Um, before we segue, um, I'm gonna. Is this the right time to be telling the story? Let's think. Well, I feel like now you got it. No? No. Okay. All no. right. All right. No. Leave it for another day. All right. Well, the time of this recording is in the later part of November. And our holiday in November, of course, is Thanksgiving, which is nearly upon us. So um, we're going to do a little throwback on today's episode, uh, back to episode nine. And at that time, George, and, uh, George, who was still living here in Chicagoland, um, and I decided to do a little experiment involving a Thanksgiving turkey and doing a beer brine that uh, included homebrewed beer. So, George, um, I've, got, I've got some d- details and notes here, but uh, do you want to talk anything about what you remember most about that experience? So, I remember that I took a decent amount of our brown ale that we made, um, and it, yeah. we, if I remember correctly, we decarbonated it once, it, or did we not carbonate it at all? That might have been what we did. Just used it straight out of the primary, but I, I what, what I remember is that we did That's okay. What it was. Yeah, what I remember was yep. it wasn't carbonated at all, which is what you want for a brine. So if you're going to use packaged beer, you want to decarbonate it first, and then we let it let the turkey brine in there for I think 48 hours, right? Yep, at refrigerated at, temperatures, at refrigerator temperatures, along with about. I tried to find the recipe before uh, recording here, and, and I'm still trying to find it. I do want to post it to our social media pages before Thanksgiving, but I want to say there was like two dozen other ingredients that were involved. This in this there brine. was some. Uh, it, it, there was some additional salt, uh, you know, as you would with a brine. Uh, and I remember there was some. Well, there was a whole lot. More well, I was gonna say there, there was herbs, herbs and spices there was vegetables, and stuff was... like that in there as well. Yeah, yeah. The ingredients list was yeah. massive. It was like a, almost. Did you a whole find page. it in a BYO magazine? Yes, yeah. I did. Yep, and that was one of my earlier exper- uh, experiments with one of our homebrew yeah. beers. And as George very appropriately described it, it was either going to be a crowning achievement or a complete dismal failure. <laughs> and to everybody's surprise, yeah, it worked it out. Yeah, and it was the perfect beer for it too. You know, it was a five to six percent brown ale. As George said, it was uh, it was not pressurized. It was kept at the right temperatures with the right ingredients, and it was cooked exactly the right way too by a chef who really knows knows a lot about cooking. So it was it was the perfect set of circumstances around it too. Yeah, 
and everyone it was, enjoyed it. It was it. very good. I, I remember that. You know, we have done a bunch of, now that I think about it, I guess not a bunch, but you and I have had our fair share of turkey escapades uh, over the years. Well, let's think. Okay, so we had the turkey uh-huh. brine. We had the um, the incident on Main Street where, fortunately, we didn't get burned. <laughs> to put a little bit more color around that, we uh, <laughs> we deep fried a turkey without the proper tools to deep fry a turkey. Uh, yeah, we just we just dunked it in a bunch of oil <laughs> and then fished it out with some kitchen utensils. So, not only did we not burn ourselves, we did not burn our my house down, which was ideal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I guess that might be it, but, you know, I was going to yeah. say, yeah, I mean, we, we've, you know, was, those are not our only Thanksgivings together, no. but those are the ones where we, where we possibly put ourselves in danger. Yeah. But so, yeah, but you know, it turned out well, uh, since, since then I've yeah. done a few, a few more experiments, uh, uh, smoked a turkey breast, which if you've never done that, highly recommend it. Uh, if you have a small Thanksgiving where you're not inviting everybody and their brother over and you just get, get a turkey breast, you throw it in a smoker for a little while, man, that's real good. Little while being like 24 hours? It's not hours. quite that long, but it is like six hours or something like that. So it, it, it takes oh, a little okay. bit of prep. All right. Yeah, by smoke by, by smoker standards, not too Exactly. Bad. So, yeah. Because it's all smoke. All by the way, cooked. this Triple Vixen, this is getting better as I drink it, and I don't think that's the alcohol talking. How how far yeah, down no, are you? I'm I'm about two thirds of the way down, and it, yeah. All right. It's, okay. I don't know if it's opening up or if it's warming up or or what it is, but it's it's really smooth. And if it really is ten percent, it is a dangerous beer. <laughs> I wish I was there to try yeah. it. So. So. I will be not doing a turkey brine this year. I will be deep frying. Okay. And do you uh, have the right tools? No, I didn't think of this until just now. I do. I do okay, have all good. the right tools. Um, actually, I didn't think about this until just now. This will be my third straight Thanksgiving doing a deep nice. frying. Yeah. yeah. And I rem- and I tell you, last year, my oh, if I can repeat that, if I can repeat the same cooking this year as i did last year i will be thrilled because that turkey was so tender and so juicy man it was nice yeah that's that that is one of the things about deep frying a turkey if you get it right if you put it in at the right temperature so it doesn't get greasy it comes out and it is so juicy and tender and it cooks so much faster than putting it in an oh my god it's not even close it's not even close yeah, so you got sure. the added expense of the uh, of the cooking oil, and you've got the partial risk of you know <laughs> burning things down, all of which can be controlled with the right set of tools and circumstances. Well, the biggest thing is make sure that so, your turkey is thawed and dried. You know, you don't don't if don't you know don't skimp on time when it comes to making sure your turkey is completely thawed and you know pat down and dry when you put it in. Yeah, you can. No, that's point yeah, well for taken. Sure. So man, that's yeah, only man, three I know. days away. Yeah, Jeez. so I think we're going down to the in-laws. But um, hey, little bit of uh, uh, kind of brewing um, bookkeeping here is maybe the wrong word, but it's what I'm using. Um, I feel like I should fill people in on the last one i made that i since we since we had the conversation uh, i don't believe i talked about my wee heavy that i made um no we have not yeah bring it on yeah so i made a, a five gallon recipe of a wee heavy this is the first one where i was able to use um top to bottom using my new uh two roller grain mill which I highly recommend for anybody that is looking to kind of upgrade their their system a little bit. Um, it's basically two rollers at the bottom, and and you'll see them typically at a. It's the style that is used at like brew shops and and uh, and places like that. And right, yeah. So I just hooked it up to my drill and and ran all my stuff through. Uh, it's eighteen pounds of pale malt, eight ounces of roasted barley. 
and uh, and that's actually the only grains that are in it. Yeah, so it's eight. So it's two grains. Two grains. No caramel. No caramel. Uh, just pale wow. malt, golden promise, and uh, three hundred Lovabon roasted barley. So just half a half a pound of that, just to add some color okay. and and give it that. Uh, two ounces of EKG. It's East Kent Golding at sixty minutes. And I used a Scottish Ale 1728 is, uh, is what I used in that for, for the yeast. Uh, I got really good uh, efficiencies on it. I actually got it up to 1089 or 21.4 Play-Doh uh, on that. With no with No, no sugars, no extract, just all grains. 10, yeah, well I, done. That's a that is a solid. Very match. happy with that. Um, I di- when I put it in, I did a starter, but I f- didn't really like how my starter went, so I threw in a little bit of extra USO five just to bolster the yeast to a little bolster bit. It. That'll, yeah, that'll and it. I got the final gravity down to about ten twenty, which is lower than I expected at about ten twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh wow! Okay, so well below. So below my target exactly, and it, you know, so it's a little bit thinner than I was looking for, but still has that kind of super malty character and everything to it. And the other thing that that did because it turned my um, target of an eight percent beer into about a nine percent beer. It's a little bit hot. Well, it is a yeah. wee heavy. Well, so that's expected so, yeah, in a wee heavy. Not... Yeah, to have, you know. Sure. But it is a little bit hot even for a wee heavy. But other than that, I'm I'm very happy with how it came out. And that is, uh, yeah. So that's that's what's going on there. Um, snow, snow globe. globe. Absolutely snow, snow globe. globe. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> did... that sound, no, that sounds really yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, does uh, have you have you had your first uh, tasting? I did, of this? and I took it to my homebrew club as well, uh, which that we just had our okay. meeting last week, and uh, it, and I think you know, like I said, I think it's it turned out, uh, you know, the carbonation. I, ca- I tried to keep it a little bit lower, um, you know, to kind of fit with the style, but it 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 goes down real smooth, and it's got a lot of malt character to it, and I'm very happy with how it turned out. That sounds awesome. Well yeah. done. Thank you. So, what about you? Have you didn't didn't you brew something recently? No. 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 I, I'm I'm on a cold streak of brewing, and we uh, we just came out of a weekend where the weather here in Chicagoland was unusually warm for this time of year. Okay. Which was a welcome vacation, so to speak, from the winter conditions that we've had pretty much all month. But regardless, I have so much wine in the <laughs> works right now. Like the volume, George, you'd have to see it to, to to fully understand just the magnitude of it. But it's a little bit obscene just how big this year's wine batch is. <laughs> okay. All right. Understandable. So we have we have three different varieties of wine that we uh, that we picked and brought back to Illinois to ferment. Mm-hmm. And um, the first batch of it, which is a blush wine, um, that batch alone is eight gallons. Eight gallons. And we will be bu- eight gallons of just one variety. So how many? So. Bottles are in a gallon. How many wine bottles are in a gallon? Uh, oh God. Let's see. Five? Four yeah, or five, five, I think. Okay, yeah. so if you have eight gallons, that's like almost yeah, 40 bottles f- of wine? 40, if you have 40 bottles is what we're planning wow. for. Wow. Yeah, jeez, yeah. man. That's that's a... So, so um, my buddy Rich was over this past week, and we both quickly agreed there's no possible way that we're in a bottle all of this entire year's worth of wine on in one day. It just simply can't be done. So the blush will get uh, thrown into a bottle this Friday. That will be the first one of this wine batch to get bottled. Okay. And then there will probably be two other bottling days between now and probably end of the year to have everything into a bottle, and that'll be that. Okay. 
Uh, just to tease this as well, um, last year, Rich and I did a um, did a wine episode here on A Nice Place to Brew, and that is most likely going to happen again between now and year-end. George, you, of course, are willing are, are more than invited to participate if you choose to do so. Absolutely. Get a chance be- to just throw it. You, yeah. You, you're in? Oh, I'm in. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. 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 So um, I guess to tease that, we uh, the first taste of the blush wine this Friday was absolutely amazing. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> never what, did I think that it was going to come out so perfectly and so smooth. Nice. Like, I am very, very excited for what this has to offer. And uh, I think the podcast will kind of echo the excitement that we have about what we've put together. Yeah, so. actually, it reminds me, um, our homebrew club is now at a, at, a, at a brewery called Old House, and I was talking with the brew manager. And so they did an, an imperial stout that they aged in a barrel. And they decide they want to get fancy with this one. So instead of put, throwing it in, you know, from there into one of their bright tanks and carbonating it that way, they hand bottled and hand carbonated each one. And he said it was like a thousand bottles of pure misery. <laughs> Just <laughs> why would you do that? I don't know. They were like I said, they were trying to be fancy with it, and he's got a bottle capper. They've got a bottle capper for because uh, they don't do a whole lot of bottles. They do crowlers and things typically. So for this run, they were just oh, okay. using a capper like we have that are you know is for that, a thousand bottles. Jeez, <laughs> are you? I was oh like, my you God. know, they have mobile bottling stations that you can like exactly. Rent, right? <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I do know that." And <laughs> oh, that was not, that was not a wise decision. No, I, I don't. I don't. I don't care what the argument is on the other side. That's just that's just not smart. Yeah. Speaking of which, I was there, and I teased this earlier. Um, you know, one of the guys brought a coffee stout and I, you know, I asked him, I was like, how did you infuse your coffee into your beer? And this is what I was talking about earlier that I wanted to tell you about. Yeah. He could, because I'm always, I'm always wondering about it because especially when there's a decent proportion to where you taste the coffee, but it doesn't overwhelm the beer, how they do it. Cause some people just, you know, rack on top of a, some coffee beans in a secondary for a while. Some people will throw them in a keg. Some people will make cold pressed coffee and throw that in. This is something I've not heard before, but I'm interested in trying it out. What he does, what he did was he did his boil at the end of his boil before he did his whirlpool and cool down. He steeped the coffee in that liquid for 15 minutes so he coarse ground four ounces of coffee for a five gallon boil in a muslin bag and just kind of hung it inside of the liquid for 15 minutes and basically steeped the coffee basically made coffee inside of his beer like you would in a drip maker right and, and then did his whirlpool and cool down and the balance of coffee and the uh, and the beer was really good. And so I think wow. that is going to be my next one I'm going to make. Now, I'm going to make one variation to what he did. I'm going to use our Lose Imperial Sweet Stout recipe because one of my main criticisms to coffee stouts is how thin they are because a lot of people will use a dry stout and... You, know, you have your dry stout, and then you also on top of that, you have the coffee that's in there, and it just thins everything out. And it feels like that stout has no body to it whatsoever. Point your your point is well taken. Okay, yeah, so I agree. My, my the, thought, the one the one the one point that I would add to that uh-huh. is just the propensity to carry over like a chalky type feel to it, yeah, which well, immediately immediately when you when that comes into beer, I'm out. You're out. Yeah. I'm thinking I can short circuit both of those things by doing a milk stout. And so what I'm going to try to do is, like I said, our loose sweet stout, which is a milk stout, has a, lact- yep. a pound of lactose in it. And 
and this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a latte stout. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea. Yeah, uh, that really I, is. I think that's the next one I'm gonna do because I'm hoping that the body of a sweet stout, um, sweet milk stout, will help to balance the thinness that coffee, you know, contributes and kind of mm-hmm. balance it out completely. Nice call. Are you doing that before year end? I think so, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Snow globes. Snow globes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I well, I mean, I need some of uh some uh snow globes labeled with Sullivan Vineyards coming my way as well if uh if you're not brewing anything. Well, you you know very well that's coming. <laughs> I still have the one from last year because I've somehow developed this rule that I drink last year's when I get next year's. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> There's so much. Oh my god, there really is. Well, if it's you need crazy. to send more than one, let me know, and I've got people around that would enjoy it. <laughs> the point well taken. <laughs> All right, we ready to send yeah. this one off? I think so. I hit all, we hit all the points. I, unless there's anything you wanted say, to hit. No, I was yeah. Kind of got the wine episode. No, no, that's really everything. Okay. I guess one last point. Uh, again, our social media links: www.aniceplacetobrew.com. Social media at nice place to brew and a nice place to brew, and much more to come. As we raise a glass, it takes. I just hit, I just hit myself in the head with my glass. <laughs> God, George, take over for me. I thought I was drinking the ten percent beer. You know, <laughs> I it ta- uh, it takes a it, it takes a lot of good beer to make great beer. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> 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 <laughs>